is Moving Pictures. I'm your host, Brent Gunn. With me, as always, is my co-host, Mitch. Mitch, how about you say hi? Hello, everyone. This is Mitchell Kakalka. I'm an editor for Central Michigan Life and a movie lover, so that's why I'm here today. Today, we're talking about LGBT films, and uh, we're kind of talking about specifically four films uh, that have been released you know, fairly recently that seem to be exceptional films of the, the genre that people are kind of saying is maybe this kind of new golden age or this revival of really critically acclaimed or really um, critically lauded, you know, LGBT cinema. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, as we were preparing for this episode, I was thinking a lot back to um, last semester when I took BCA 101 and we talked about the Hollywood production codes in 1934 mm-hmm. because for anyone that isn't aware, before 1934, Films weren't protected under the First Amendment by the U.S. government. So if the state wanted to censor a film for any content that it had in it, it had the right to do so. So in 1934, they changed that, but with a catch. Um, The Hollywood system had to be very, very heavily regulated, specifically by religious influence and religious uh, tangents. Mm -hmm. And there was also this problem of that time with associating you know, gay characters, because there were gay characters and lesbian characters in older films. But the problem lies in the representation. Mm -hmm. And while we've gotten a lot better since, you know, 1934, we still kind of run into a lot of the same problems, a lot of tying sexuality and gender together, a lot of uh, tropes that exist in LGBT cinema that we're going to talk about today. But today... Um, we specifically want to focus on four really exceptional films that we think deal with uh, LGBT themes and the, I guess, just the human aspect of it in a really mm-hmm. you know artistically driven way. Um, Mitch, I, I guess, just like give give me your thoughts on on all this. Um, <clears throat> well, yeah, kind of um, something that and in regards to, like the history of LGBT uh, cinema, there was. Um, a movement in the early 90s called um, New Queer Cinema started around, I think it was given that name around like 91, 92, when that was kind of more, kind of like a renaissance um, of um, gay gay representation on film. Yeah. And um, it kind of makes sense when you look at it through this uh, and compare it to the perspective of um, what's called the 30-year cycle in um, sociology where, mm-hmm. um, for example, like that's the reason, the 30-year cycle, Cycles. The reason why so many films like coming out now, f- films and TV shows, um, are throwbacks to the '80s. Yeah, because like Stranger Things. It, mm-hmm. And in the '80s, you had a lot of callbacks to the '50s, with like yeah. Back to the Future. And all of George Lucas's works at that time, like, um, were kind of like throwbacks to the '50s. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because and um, the reason why this happens, a lot of people believe, is because. Um, the primary content creators who are like making art and like making. Um, media these days are like 30s 40 year old men who all had their childhood during the 80s and so that's why and nostalgia being one of the biggest factors behind creativity um that's why there's so much 80s um nostalgia going around is because like the the people who grew up during that time are now the ones that are running the show show with media and so that's why new queer cinema probably hit in the 90s because um when you look back uh what on what had happened like 20, 30 years before, like 60s, 60s 70s, out to when um, kind of there was an awakening of um, free the love g- movement, the free love, the gay identity in um, 
um, San Francisco, San Francisco, kind of bringing um, gay gay identity to um, the forefront of like um, the American consciousness. And now in the '90s, that's when all of these people who grew up during this time were now um, reached more or less adulthood and were able to have positions um, within the Hollywood system. Yeah, and so yeah, that's kind of. And that's what we're talking going to be talking about today with these four films. It's kind of um, they are they already took new queer cinema with the initial movement. So new new queer cinema, new, yeah, more yeah. newish queer cinema, newer 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 queer mm-hmm. cinema. How about that? Yeah, um, I feel like a problem that a lot of you know gay, lesbian, trans people have with a lot of LGBT cinema is that they feel like it's really insincere. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of examples of <clears throat> films, plays, you know, books that are written that the gay community, like, hates. Mm-hmm. Like, Rent, we right. don't like that. <laughs> it's not good. We need to just drop Rent. Mm-hmm. But um, a lot of times it happens because it's um, people who aren't gay or, like, um, part of the LGBT community that, like, create these um, yeah. works of art. And I don't think it's so much made with bad intention or ill will. Mm-hmm. I think it's mostly just misdirection, tone deafness, yeah. completely just missing the point. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Yeah. So the four films that we're going to talk about today are um, Moonlight, which I'm sure anyone listening has heard mm-hmm. about that film. Uh, Carol, uh, Call Me By Your Name, which is an extremely popular film right now. Mm-hmm. Really, yeah, really especially exploding. during award season. Yeah, definitely. And uh, Tangerine by uh, Sean Baker. Now, he's his second film, The Florida Project, has also been getting a lot of Oscar mm-hmm. buzz and attention as of late. So let's start off with Carol. Dearest, there are no accidents and no explanation I offer will satisfy you. You seek resolutions because you're young. But you will understand this one day. Um, tell me about Carol, because it seems to be a film that you're really, really interested in. Well, Carol, and we kind of mentioned Carol in our last episode about mental illness when we talked about um, another film by Todd Haynes, um, a a filmmaker who kind of came into prominence during the uh, initial new queer cinema in the 90s. Um, And... Something that's kind of um, a recurring theme in Todd Haynes' filmography is taking traditional stories um, and kind of putting them through the queer lens. Like he did that with um, Velvet Goldmine in the late 90s, which was a retelling of the Citizen Kane story, only with a um, bisexual glam rocker um, in the vein of David Bowie instead mm-hmm. of um, Charles Foster Kane, like the original movie. And um, that was kind of a trend around. Just to segue real quick, that was a kind of a trend. Uh, I guess Van Sant did that with My Own Private Idaho. That's based off mm-hmm. of uh, Henry the Eighth, I believe. Yeah, one yeah. one of Shakespeare's plays. Yeah, it's like mm-hmm. as a lot of Shakespearean ones. Mm-hmm. Anyway, and so Carol, um, really, in Nazi Carol's kind of a simple story. It's based off of um, a. Um, one of the more famous um, and uh, more prominent like lesbian novels um, from the fifties um, called the um, the Price of Salt. Oh, um, okay. By the same author who did um, the who wrote the books that would become um, the talented Mister Ripley ser- series. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. Um, and it's basically like 
Carol's just the story of a um, young woman played by Rooney Mara um, who works in a department store in um, uh, the mid to late 50s who by chance comes into contact with um, an older woman named Carol played by Kate Blanchett and um, who's married um, to a man with children. And it's the story is just um, them falling in love, their relationship developing. And it's told both through the cinematography and kind of like the aesthetic um, and the story st- structure very similarly to um, any any like kind of like throwback like romance movie um, kind of um, an appeal to the romance that kind of 50s era um, romantic kind of romantic aesthetic, yeah, yeah only told from um, through the lens of the lesbian experience and that's really interesting because if you look at how lesbians were portrayed in the 1950s for example, mm-hmm. They were usually portrayed as trying to be perceived as men as much as possible. They'd have mm-hmm. like they'd wear suits and top hats. They'd slick mm-hmm. their hair back. Sometimes they draw on mustaches, mm-hmm. and um, <clears throat> or their lesbian their lesbianism was because of some like trauma, like World so War Two. It was maybe, heavily like, associated with like mental illness. Yeah, yeah. So it's really interesting that Todd Haynes chose to kind of portray this really organic romance blossoming mm-hmm. in that time period when in that time period it's ironic because the portrayal was so, you know, the complete opposite of that. Mm-hmm. It just shows how tone deaf those portrayals were at the time. You know? Yeah, and the the original novel was actually was pretty famous at the time because it was like one of the first um, lesbian novels to have a happy ending, which is something that um, is, isn't really granted to a lot of um, gay narratives. Yeah. Um, Especially not then, but even now, um, they usually end in tragedy, whether that means um, emotional tragedy, like the ending of a relationship or like death in a lot of cases. One of my one of the biggest complaints I see from people about uh, LGBT cinema is that it's often always associated with tragedy or insecurity Mm -hmm. or, you know, heartbreak or uh, this kind of deep inner pain. <clears throat> and they're always saying, you know, like, you know, gay people are happy too. Like mm-hmm. we're we're okay. Yeah. Um, it, it's always just odd to, you know, see film after film after film mm-hmm. of just negative experience after negative experience. Mm-hmm. And then I feel like those directors are trying to do good, but again, mm-hmm. it's just like that level of kind of this implicit mm-hmm. bias or this implicit Yeah. Um, um issue. Kind of like there's like the expectation that um the societal um, kind of like negativity that um, for a long time has been gen- has been um, uh, generated towards like the LGBT community is like the be all and end all of the gay experience. Like there's nothing um, like struggle. Struggle is like all, the main it's all part of your identity. Yeah, um, and that actually perfectly segues into "Call Me by Your Name," the next film mm-hmm. that we were going to talk about because one of the you know, consistent things I saw that film being praised for. Mm-hmm. And we're going to, you know, talk about the film. There's some things I didn't like. Sounds like there were some things that you weren't crazy about too. Mm-hmm. But um, <clears throat> what I consistently saw were people saying this film felt like, a, felt like a celebration. It didn't feel like this, you know, story of shame and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, repression. It felt more just like a very human, mm-hmm. uh, evolving love story. You mm-hmm. know, and the fact that they're gay almost seems just kind of matter of fact, you know, yeah. like, mm-hmm. like the, what they went through in their relationship seems like almost what any couple, any mm-hmm. young couple would go through. Yeah. 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 And, um, kind of just bring it, uh, like you said, kind of bring it back to Carol. That's kind of what, what these stories do is they, um, uh, 
put like a queer lens over the traditional love story. Right. Um, and, and, um, there's, there's obviously kind of like a value to that. Um, especially when there's been so many, um, um, movies that focus on LGBT characters. Um, um, like we've said before, like aren't really like, um, traditional love stories that have happy endings or, um, endings that don't end in tragedy. Right. Um, so Call Me By Your Name, a lot of Oscar buzz around this movie, mm-hmm. a lot of hype around this mm-hmm. movie. Um, I can show you around. That'd be great. Thank you. So what do you do around here? Read books, transcribe music, swim at the river, go out at night. Sounds fun. All right, later. Just watch. This is how we'll say goodbye to us when the time comes. Later. <laughs> Meanwhile, we'll have to put up with him for six long weeks. It, it kind of lives up to it. I think there's a couple things in the film that I felt went unnoticed by a lot of critics, or maybe they just didn't really bring it up. Mm-hmm. But I really respect what the film did with narrative. I liked how it was really patient with its characters mm-hmm. and kind of let their relationship develop really slowly and naturally there's not a whole lot like plot it's more based around just like these two characters um, you you know you know know, i don't like plots you know (laughs) anyone who's listening to the show consistently should know like i'm not Mm. a plot guy but um yeah the acting was just superb um the only real issue i had with the film is i felt like some of the sexuality was a little bit aggressive and Mm. i feel like that's another trope in Specifically, actually, no, just all-encompassing LGBT cinema. Um, when characters do become physical with each other, it feels so animated and over-the-top and kind mm-hmm. of aggressive. Mm-hmm. It it kind of plays into those tropes of the overly aggressive gay man, like yeah. from the older, older mm-hmm. like 50s and 60s movies where they were always kind of preying upon the you know the mm-hmm. vulnerable straight or something like yeah. that, or kind of plays into the old tangents of you know the homosexual creep mm-hmm. kind of thing so that kind of rubbed me the wrong way a little bit i felt like it was a little unnecessary but um mm. and the peach sing i thought peach, it was a little yeah i thought it was a little ham-fisted a little peach-fisted mm-hmm. and it was actually toned down from the book from what i understand the peach yeah scene. i haven't read the book but i i've heard the book's a bit more graphic which mm-hmm. again that's just a problem that i have with a lot of erotic cinema mm-hmm. and a lot of uh LGBT cinema, it just feels a little little bit gratuitous. And I understand why you'd want to frankly show gay sexuality mm-hmm. because it's been kind of shamed and you know shunned, you know, in yeah. America for so long and everything. But sometimes it just feels kind of I don't know, just misdirected. Like a good example mm-hmm. would be uh Blue's the Warmest Color. You know, that film gets mm-hmm. criticized constantly for that. <laughs> And I think rightfully so. I mean, nearly pornographic is what a lot of people have called it. Yeah. And unnecessarily, you know? Yeah. I don't know. Mm -hmm. But I I think that it's an excellent movie. Mm -hmm. I think that in terms of gay cinema, it's one of the best examples we've had since probably like Brokeback Mountain in terms of like Oscar nominated, like Mm -hmm. Moonlight too, obviously. Mm -hmm. But in the same way that like a film like Brokeback Mountain felt like a really human fluid story, this feels Mm -hmm. that way too. Yeah, I agree. Um, I, I didn't find I didn't find the sexuality to be too graphic. Not definitely not up to the like, standard of I, I guess, blue is warmest color. Aggressive, not not I graphic, think, just aggressive. I think. 
Well, there's there's an ever presence to like the sexuality and like the sexual tension yeah. um, throughout the film, which, um, well, like you said, is kind of a, a kind of a staple of what, what a lot of people consider to be like LGBT cinema. Um, there's a lot of focus given on um, the physical act of love. Um, right. But I think the film does find a good balance between um, finding um, emotional tenderness, um, uh, physical loss, and kind of finding like the um, middle ground between all of that. Yeah, and then again, the the characters portrayed are rather young, you know. So well, one of the characters is like um, yeah, yeah. Um, play, uh, Elio, played by um, Timothy Shelmet, um, is seventeen. Yeah. I don't think like the actor is. I think he's a bit older, but that actually caused some controversy, um, especially when there's so much. Um, so there's such a stigma um, centered around the gay community, especially gay men, that um, of um, being predatory. Like yeah. it's older men um, going after younger men. The characters, I believe, um, Elio is 17 um, in the in the movie, and uh, Army Hammer, his um, his lover, is, he he is uh, early 20s. I, I believe think around, he's 20. Like on the I think dot. upwards of like 24. That's kind of like the. Is he? I don't remember. I believe that. so. That might. I know that was like the ages in the book, I believe. Maybe they left mm-hmm. that more ambiguous in the film. I can't yeah. remember that mm-hmm. specific plot point. See, I didn't find ex- and say a lot of people have kind of taken issue with that. Like it's even if like the ages aren't exactly set in stone, it is obviously an older man, Army Hammer's character, um uh in a relationship with a younger man. Yeah. By by I, I didn't I th- I thought it was handled um um Sensitively and kind of like tenderly. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, as tenderly as it can be. Like mm-hmm. that—that's just another trope that I kind of have a little bit of an annoyance with mm-hmm. in a lot of gay um, entertainment. Yeah, that kind of predatory mindset. Um, mm-hmm. That is a bit of an annoying problem that we see in <clears throat> a lot of gay entertainment. But uh, yeah, I, I think that "Call Me by Your Name" handles the source material really, mm-hmm. you know, sensitively. Um, all in all, I, I think it's a great film. I wouldn't be surprised if it sweeps, you know, the Oscars. At least a couple. I don't know if it. I don't know how if it's gonna either win. that or Lady Bird. I feel like Lady those Bird two are gonna, um, is yeah. another one. Um, Timothy Chalamet, I think, is kind of like the fan favorite for um, Best Actor. Whether or not he's going to be able to be um, Gary Oldman is bright up for in the Best air. Picture. Yes. <laughs> Tune in next week. We talk just two hours of us talk praising we're, Bright. We're going to set up an episode soon about Bright. I, I meant to talk to you I about that. Bright we're going to so do that. Much. It's the best movie I've ever seen. Uh, I'm joking. Um, um, next so, yeah. up, let's talk about Moonlight. Yeah. Um, Moonlight is a fantastic movie. Mm-hmm. I think probably the best example of a gay relationship in film mm-hmm. of recent memory. Try to forget all those times. At some point, you gotta decide for yourself who you're gonna be. Can't let nobody make that decision for you. You all tell him why the other boys kick his ass all the time. What's wrong? I'm good. No, I'm seeing good, and you ain't it. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. Of all of all the movies we're talk, we're talking about, I would probably say Moonlight is. I think it's like the best movie, like the most and the most um, praiseworthy and attention worthy uh, addition to this kind of like subgenre of LGBT cinema. Yeah. I call it a light bulb movie mm-hmm. because 
there seems to like how Brokeback Mountain did in like 2005. There seems to be those movies, those LGBT films that like set off the light bulb for people mm-hmm. that maybe had a hang up about gay people. Yeah. And it kind of makes them view mm-hmm. gay people in a more humanistic light. Mm-hmm. I feel like Moonlight is another one of those movies where it like sets off the light bulb mm-hmm. for, you know. And kind of straight like people, a, la- a landmark in like gay cinema, especially yeah, like definitely. when it comes to like the amount of tension they draw in from um, not only from like the gay community, but also the main the mainstream community. Um, like you said, much like Brokeback Mountain in uh, two thousand five. Yeah, and we're not even touching on um, the impact of the film's you know racial context too. Mm-hmm. I mean, to make a film about two um, gay black men who aren't effeminate. Mm-hmm. They aren't, you know, uh, boyish. They're not silly. Mm-hmm. They're very, maybe repressed to a degree. Like definitely you know, the main character, definitely is the main character is definitely repressed. But the repression mm-hmm. feels much more human, and it feels mm-hmm. much more tied into the trauma of mm-hmm. other things that was going on in his life, yeah. like the bullying, the situations mm-hmm. with his mother. It feels like. The fact that he can't talk about that aspect of himself is just the mm-hmm. icing on the cake. Yeah, yeah, and that's what a lot of um kind of like black scholars and people in the black community pointed out that um the the movie kind of is kind of like written off as kind of like just the gay black guy movie, but also at its heart the movie is an exploration exploration of um um kind of like modern black male masculinity only um kind of like the films that we've talked about before where it's more of like a there's a queer lens over it it's mm-hmm. a tale of um growing up in the black community only um from the perspective um of a gay man which is something that i really can't think has um has ever been like portrayed um uh this prominently in film yeah and i i think that <clears throat> conversely to call me by your name I loved how the relationship between the two characters was handled, mm-hmm. like the physicality between them. Yeah. Because I felt like it was just extremely tasteful. I felt like mm-hmm. it wasn't trying to give the audience a show. It felt mm-hmm. just more like, yes, this is what happened. We're moving yeah. on. There's really only like one scene. There's like I two believe, scenes, I believe, where believe there's any kind of, of um, like sexuality on the screen. Yeah. And I don't have a problem with that. It's just, yeah. When it's, it's all about just how it's handled, exactly, like how it's portrayed. Exactly. And Moonlight is a film just exceptionally directed, mm-hmm. exceptionally acted. Across the board, it's just a fantastic film. and uh, Very well-deserved, the um, Best Picture Oscar. Much more than La La Land. <laughs> much, much more. I was so mad when I, when I, when I uh, saw them say La La Land. I was like, are you kidding me? <laughs> Moonlight should have won. And sure enough, that happened. Yeah. And I thought I had, like, control of the universe. <laughs> I was so stoked. But then I tried it again, and nothing went my way. I mean, at least that's another reason um, why, like, Moonlight's, Moonlight is going to kind of go down in history um, as, like, a landmark of um, um, both black and gay cinema, as kind of, especially because it's just so associated with that moment. Like mm-hmm. everybody, everybody kind of like sighed when like La La Land, and I, I liked La La Land. It was <laughs> I, I thought it was a good enough movie. Yeah. I was I was I was expecting it to win, but I was like, I was definitely very happy to see Moonlight win. Um, yeah, I feel like that that's what most people said. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, just another example of treating, you know, a relationship in a really human way because. I feel like, you know, heterosexual relationships in cinema are treated with such delicate care at times, mm-hmm. really methodical processing, so really, you know, delve deep mm-hmm. 
into the you know what's going on in that relationship because but, that's been the norm for so long and they and the their the cinematic language has kind of developed around um this uh kind of like framework for what a, rom- a romance movie is and it's always been um throughout throughout hollywood history um heterosexual kind yeah. of aligned and you know queer criticism and film criticism they can only go so far before you just go like in circles mm-hmm. um there's always going to be people that can find something, you know, problematic or something uh, maybe in port, like how I had with Call Me By Your Name. You know, there's I'm sure there's plenty of people in the community that thought that film was a fantastic portrayal. I thought it was a good movie, but not as great of a portrayal, you know. Mm-hmm. OK. Those inconsistencies are always going to exist in the community. But mm-hmm. I think that we have a pretty good eye on you know, crap when we see it, <laughs> you know. And that's kind of... um kind of a testament to like the new newest kind of like crop of like gay movies that are coming out is that there's um quite a lot of variety and it's not just there's no kind of like gold standard for what a gay for what a gay romance movie is we have um you know carol being like a 50s throwback old school romance you have um Moonlight being this um, very down to earth, very subdued, almost kind of character like study, almost episodic character study um, uh, that delves into like the black community, and um, I think this is a good segue to talk about our final film, Tangerine, mm-hmm. uh, by Sean Baker. This movie is <clears throat> definitely dealing with you know the theme in a unique way. Mm-hmm. Tangerine's on Netflix right now for anyone who's interested. It was shot with three. Um, iPhone 5S's <laughs> and it looks fantastic considering yeah. um, it's a story about two black transgender prostitutes who uh, one of them upon hearing that her significant other pimp you know, boyfriend mm-hmm. is cheating on her goes on this hunt to go find him mm-hmm. and you know the escapades that they get involved with mm-hmm. one, one critic um, I think uh, described it as kind of like it's the backstory behind every um, fight you see kind of like on YouTube that kind of like like a fight be, like a um, fight that happens before like Seven yeah. Eleven that somebody films on their iPhone it's kind of yeah, the it, backstory to that like a lead up to that kind of um, conflict the, the film has that kind of um, chic trash vibe mm-hmm. it definitely feels like something John Waters would make today or something. Mm-hmm. It, it just feels really rough and really uh, just exuberantly trashy and just fun. Yeah, it, it just feels like a, a really fun, um, in-your-face movie mm-hmm. that is also, in a weird way, heartwarming. Mm-hmm. In a weird way, kind mm-hmm. of, um, yeah, heartwarming. Yeah, in a really bizarre way. I think when we say trashy, that kind of gives like the it, ex- the expectation of um, it, it being well, you know, like trashy. I but. guess trashy in the sense of that's how I've heard a lot of critics describe mm-hmm. the film. I, I I guess I would use that more as just an aesthetic. It kind of has that aesthetic, aesthetic of kind dirt of like, and grime, yeah. and it's kind of telling this story. And one thing that I love about the film is that unlike any of the other films that were were listing you know it's focusing on transgender characters Mm -hmm. transgender women of color and it's not showing uh trans people or gay people or you know whoever as these uh socially privileged people you know Mm -hmm. i feel like often 
one problematic problem that you can encounter when you do a film like Call Me By Your Name, mm-hmm. and this isn't really a hang-up I had with the film, but this is just an example, Yeah, is someone saying that it could be negative to portray gay characters in this life of luxury mm-hmm. because you I'm, do have, you know... Um, roadblocks in your mm-hmm. way. There are s- still systematic problems in your way as a gay person, as a mm-hmm. lesbian, transgender, especially as a transgender person. And that kind of, that in the case of like these movies I was talking about, that also might kind of um, be something that uh, comes, comes from portraying um, uh, LGBT lifestyle in the black community, which um, obviously it has a lot of differences between what, um, um, what kind of people might think the standard um, for um, the gay lifestyle is. Yeah, I, I think it <clears throat> that Tangerine shows this kind of freedom. You mm-hmm. know, it, it's all about um, these women's kind of sanctity, you know, mm-hmm. and their autonomy and them mm-hmm. having pride in themselves. You know, their scenes were there, you know, in diners and places and they're as loud as can be. Mm-hmm. They don't care who hears them having these mm-hmm. really frank, you know, mm-hmm. graphic, vulgar conversations. It's really like a self-affirming film. Yeah. You know, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's definitely a very loud, proud, we're mm-hmm. here, and this is a film that's just kind mm-hmm. of if you don't like it, you know, don't watch mm-hmm. it. It's very it's a, bold. It's a very human movie. Oh. Yeah, definitely. Um Yeah, and Sean Baker, uh, the director of this film film, went on to go do the Florida Project, which mm-hmm. uh is up for a bunch of Oscar buzz, and it's so mm-hmm. so cool that he went from making this you know little little film with iPhone and iPhone yeah, to, to this you know, very... working with Willem Dafoe and making mm-hmm. Oscar buzz. It's it's insane. Mm-hmm. I think like you know the main point here is that we've come a long way in representation for mm-hmm. you know LGBT characters in film, but I think that we're still progressing. But mm-hmm. now more than ever is a time that we should really you know, pat ourselves on the back for doing what we are doing. You know, Mm -hmm. I think that there's been so much progress and uh, so many real, you know, personal steps have been taken to make sure these films aren't just these cash cows to appeal to this, Mm -hmm. you know, this minority of the market, which has been so true throughout history. There's been so many films that are either just queer baiting Mm-hmm. you know, insincere portrayals of these relationships that play into tropes. And it's so refreshing as people of that community, you you know, me and you, to see these films that feels like an accurate portrayal. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what people love. That's that's why people love films and they love good films mm-hmm. because if they can see themselves through the film, mm-hmm. I mean, it, it, it's a connection unlike any other art form, really. I think that the fact that this is kind of like the first time in history when these types of films are popular like they're actually making um um, making their way into kind of like the mainstream social conscious more now like more so than ever as a testament to kind of like how um to just a testament to social progress kind of like where we're at now as compared to where we've been in the past and like um where we can go um with representation representation like this in the future yeah definitely well Thanks for listening. This has been Moving Pictures. Uh, I'm your host, Brent Gunn. This is Mitchell Kakalka. And thank you for listening.